Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, if you would please turn to the book of 1 John chapter 4. As we finish our series today, what have we become? How many of you have been blessed by this series? And I hope that it's been eye-opening and, 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 and for you and hope it's helped give you greater understanding. That's what I'm here to do. Me and Pastor John, we're here to equip you for your life, for the work of the ministry, for your for your entire life, for your family, your children, the, everything that you experience in this life, um, you, are, you are empowered by the truths of the Word of God to live above your circumstances. And so the last four weeks, we've covered things in this series, what have we become? And what we found out, we became something because Jesus became something. And that this whole thing is all about Him. Our lives, what we've, what we've received in this life, what we will continue to receive in, in, later on in, in eternal life and things like that, we've all received because of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of His love that was shown toward us in giving up His life and becoming certain things. One thing, the first thing we talked about was that He became a curse. We became blessed. That's Galatians chapter 3, verses, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been, become a curse for us. As it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. There's a whole room full of Gentiles here today. The blessing of God is on your life. There's no curse trying to hunt you down today. That's over. He became that for you. Now you're blessed. Aren't you happy about it? That's really good news. And also, Pastor John talked about in, in week two in, on our, at our Easter service that Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. No, that's verse 17. Verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in Him. So we saw that not only did Jesus, Jesus didn't become a sinner so that we could do righteous things. He became sin itself, went right to the root of the problem so that we could be righteousness. Not people that just could have the ability to do righteous acts, but we became, we embodied the state of being of righteousness. That's a whole lot better. That's a whole lot, because that way it's not based on anything that you do. It's all about what Jesus did. And you got on, in on this deal simply by believing in His work for you. Isn't that wonderful? Takes all the mystery out of it. And Then we talked about that Christ became poor. He intentionally became poor. He left, though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. And we went over that and saw how that was not talking about spiritual riches because then you'd have to say Jesus became spiritually poor and there's no way that that happened. Right? He became poor and you became rich. And that word is outward possessions, materialistic wealth. I didn't, I didn't write that. I just found it and it blew my mind that Jesus actually paid for you to become wealthy. Yeah, it just got too quiet in here. Boy, that go, we just have a hard time swallowing that one down, don't we? doesn't change the fact that it's true. It's for you. He became poor. You became rich. And you live out that reality by faith. Well, you go, well, I need to convince my bank account of that. Somebody needs to, <laughs> to tell my checking account about that. Well, that's true. Okay, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that, but this is, this, we walk out this thing by faith. We walk it out by faith. It still, that still doesn't change the fact that it's true. And that God gives you the power to get well in this life. Amen? And He wants to increase you, and He's given you many ways. Amen. I won't stay on that. And then, and then uh, last week we talked about how Christ became wounded. Through Isaiah chapter 53, He was wounded, and we became what? Healed. My goodness. And in this week, we're going to finish it. 
with this thought. That Jesus became the Son of Man. And you and I have become sons of God. First, I mean, John chapter 1, it says, For as many as received Him, this is verse 12, to them He gave the power or the right to become the sons of God to those who believe in His name. Now listen to this. That word power there is not the word dunamis, which we're all so very used to. The word dunamis is, a, is miraculous ability, a miracle working power. That's not the power that we had to become the sons of God because we did not, we could not muster up that kind of ability. Are you hearing me? We couldn't save ourselves. But instead, when you receive Him by believing in Him, He gave you the exousia power, which is the authoritative right to become the children of God. As a child of God, you don't have a right to be anything else than a son of God. Now, I say sons of God, and I don't mean just boys here in the room. We're all sons of God. Like I said in the early service, we as the guys, we have to be the bride of Christ. Ladies, you, you got to be sons of God, okay? we got to give somewhere. Amen? All right. It's not a gender thing. This is a position called sonship. Amen? And we're not on the outside looking in trying to gain God's favors. No, we have His favor through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have right standing with Him. We have sonship as children of Almighty God. The right to exercise that sonship in this earth. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 has been our launching pad. It says, herein is love perfected. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so will we be when we get to heaven. Hmm? How, as He is, so are we where? In this world. Anybody in this world today? Huh? Some of you are spaced out this morning. But you're still, you're still here in the world, right? You're here today. And if you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, as He is there, so are you in this world. How is He there? Ruling and reigning and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Bible says that you are seated with Him in heavenly places. You already have the biggest position of authority that you will ever have. Are you hearing me? You're not going to be any more righteous in heaven. You're not going to be any more saved in heaven. The only thing that's going to be different is you're going to have a glorified body. You're already like Him right now. It's a right now reality as He is. And it's important that you get this in your life, this understanding, so that you can understand all of these things that you've become now, what He became on purpose for you to become now. Amen. He became the Son of Man, and we became sons of God. Now, we're going to go over a few bits of Scripture here talking about Christ being the Son of Man. And if you'll just take some furious notes this morning, stick with me. We're going to build a little bit of foundation here, all right? Are you with me? All right. Is it okay if we preach the Bible today? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Okay. I want to make sure. Matthew, uh, Pastor John and Ann, by the way, are, are with Pastor Everett and Nancy and all of our Cornerstone family in Garland today. Amen. All right, Matthew 10, 23 says, and this is Jesus talking. He says, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the city of cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, I want you to look at these times, this timeline, or this time that Jesus is talking about in all of these 
verses that we're going to cover that he's, all, he's talking futuristically most of the time about his return when he comes back. All right? And he's coming back as the Son of Man. All right? Matthew 16, verse 27. Oh, no, no, no. Matthew, Matthew 13, 40. Jesus is talking again. It says, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Aren't you glad that's not going to be you? Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. Jesus says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then he'll, He will reward each according to His works. So once again, He's referring to the second coming being the Son of Man returning, right? Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will sit on twelve thrones. He's talking to His disciples. They're judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Once again, a reference to the end. Matthew chapter 24. Who is He calling Himself? The Son of what? The Son of Man. Matthew 24, verses 27 through 30. For as the lightning comes, this is Jesus talking again, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the angels will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now we go over to the book of Acts, chapter 7. I don't have time to go over every reference to the Son of Man. I think I would lose all of you by that point, and uh, we wouldn't even get to lunch. So uh, I'm going to save you that and let you study that out. You can also look at Mark and Luke and John and all those, but those are just a few references, tons of references of Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man. Specifically, in the end, he's talking. Now, he was the Son of Man when he came to earth, but many times he references himself that way in the future, and it's, and it's a wonderful thought we're going to get to in just a moment. Acts chapter 7, we see this is where the first martyr of the church, Stephen, gives up his life for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And we look over at verse 56, and it says, But he, that Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is the Son of Man he's looking at. Acts 17, 31. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. It says, because he, that is Jesus, or, or the Father, has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Who's that man, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, the Father has ordained a man to judge the world. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, that is the man, from the dead. Acts chapter 22, go over a few pages. And we see Paul's wonderful testimony, this conversion experience where he, at one, uh, he saw right here, was persecuting the church of God for his, by his zeal for religion. And 
he had a meeting on the road. And Jesus stopped him in his tracks. And Paul fell off of, or Saul fell off of his donkey, and this bright light shone all around him. And Paul freaked out, as any normal human would. And he said, so I answered, Acts chapter 22, verse 8. He's telling the testimony. He said, so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Well, it sounds like you're Jesus of heaven, if I'm guessing here right, right now, Jesus, because your voice is coming out of there, right? I don't hear it coming over from Nazareth. I hear it coming from up there. But Jesus is showing us something really wonderful here, that he is still identifying with humanity from heaven, still calling his hometown Nazareth. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Paul says, for there is one God, everybody say one God, and one mediator, everybody say one mediator, between God and men, who? The man, Christ Jesus. All right, the man. I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 14. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read 14 through 16 to you. John says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he, sat on the, he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is Jesus receiving his reward for the seed sown at Calvary. You're it, ladies and gentlemen. You're his reward for what he did today. And I want you to notice that in all of these scriptures that we just looked at, that we just read concerning the man or the son of man, that Christ, in these references, has already been crucified, he's already been buried, he's already risen from the dead, and he's already ascended. Okay? Notice the time period. These all speak of how he is now and how he will return. And out of all these things that we have opened up to you in the past few weeks, I think this is wonderful. Jesus, it's important that we understand this. Is Jesus God? Absolutely, he's God. The, the, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the three are one. He is God, but make no mistake, He is man. He's not 50% God, 50% man. He is 100% God, and He's 100% man. And it's important that we understand this about the Lord Jesus, that this truth that He is a man right now, that He didn't, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right, in the beginning, and then He became flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Well, when Jesus ascended into heaven, some believe that he just turned right back into the Word and whatever that looks like. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus is talking about the Son of Man's going to return. And there's that mediator, the man, Christ Jesus, seated there right now, right? There's a man that's going to judge the world. The man, Christ Jesus. And I want to assure you today, that as long as that man is seated at the right hand of the Father, you have bold access to the Father today. Without Him there, you are hopeless. But as long as Jesus is there, 
As long as that man is there representing all of mankind, all of humanity, then we have no fear. We have nothing to fear. That's why we saw we can have boldness in the day of judgment because of that man. Hallelujah. And out of all these things that we've gone over the last few weeks, that Christ became a curse, is he still a curse today? No. Christ became sin. Is he still sin today? No. That Christ became poor. Is he still poor today? No. That Christ became wounded. Is he still wounded today? No, he bears the marks of that covenant, but he's not wounded today. Christ became the Son of Man. Is he still the Son of Man today? He is. He is. That never changed. Once he became the Son of Man, he never went back. He stayed a man. He forever changed who he was. He forever changed himself so that you could forever be a son of God. I mean, how saved are you? Well, let me say it like this. As long as Jesus is alive, you will always be a son of God. The moment he dies, it's over. He ain't going to die, though. Oh, that ought to make you feel real secure today. That sounds like greasy grace to me, Pastor Eric. Well, read your Bible and you'll find out. You'll find out. Read your Bible. The Apostle Paul, many times, he preached grace so hard, he'd say, I know what you're thinking. Should we just keep on sinning? Should we just keep on sinning? What's the answer to that? No. Grace is not there. Grace is not there to just, to just be the net when you fall. Thank God it is there, though. Because we're sin abounds. We're sin abounds. Come on, help me out, people. Grace does much more abound. I didn't make up this news. I just found out about it. Praise God. It is really good news. Huh? Almost too good to be true. Well, half right. It's too good and it's true. Amen. As long as that man is there, we have access to our Father. Now turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at our part in this deal in the next few minutes. Is this encouraging you today? He is God and He is man, the Son of Man. Woo! God bless His name. This morning, I want to talk to you about three simple ways that you know that you are a son of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are are the sons of God, or we are the children of God. What's the Holy Spirit reminding you? That you are saved. That you are a child of God. Not that you need to be. You need to straighten up so you can be a child of God. No, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Are you hearing me today? Thank God for the mighty blood of Jesus. 
that made this a reality for us. Three ways for you to know this. Let's look at this verse, verse, verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit. Everybody say authority. See, now you're, not, you're no longer self, you're not self-appointed. <laughs> you're not self-appointed anymore. You're led by the Spirit. The moment you bowed your knee and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you bowed your life to Him, surrendered to Him, you surrendered your will, you surrendered your own way to His way. And at that moment, He became the authority in your life. He became the authoritative voice. He became the primo numero uno. Amen? And as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. I want you to notice here, it doesn't say many of those that follow the Spirit, these are the sons of God. A legalistic preacher would turn that around. But this says, as many as are led by the Spirit. The Spirit is doing the leading on the sons of God. Now listen to me. What happens is, how is it that you're led by the Spirit? Well, I'm, I know there's a whole room full of people sitting here today that you used to do things that you don't do anymore. Hmm? You used to do things that you don't do anymore. You used to not have any trouble. T.D. Jake says it kind of like this. He says, uh, you take a pig and you take a lamb. And if that pig finds a mud hole, what's he going to do when he finds the mud hole? Man, he's going to have the time of his life. He's going to wallow around in that mud and think it's been the best day of his life. A little lamb falls in the mud hole, it's going to immediately begin to call for, Mom, get me out of here. See, the thing that didn't used to bother you now bothers you. Huh? You don't like being dirty anymore. You don't like what sin does to you anymore. You used to love it. Now your appetite has changed because a voice started leading you. The voice of the Spirit of God began to take you a different direction, began to guide you a different way and show you how to live life and life abundantly. And the thing I love about the Holy Spirit is that, and, and living in the grace of God is that you don't have to force it upon yourself. i got to do better. i got to live right. i got to live right. I mean, I've, set, I, I've been in church services like that. I'm done with that stuff. going to follow what the Holy Spirit says. Man, that takes all the sting out of it right there. Amen. The stuff that you used to really enjoy, you put your faith in Christ, it just lost its luster and its power to hold you anymore. Amen. He just started leading you. You surrendered your own direction and plans to Him. He's remained faithful to lead you. Come on, we know that voice, don't we? We all as the children of God have heard that voice. And you have to absolutely ignore it to do something contrary to it, don't you? Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to do it anyway. Because <laughs> he's faithful to lead. Sons of God, he's faithful to lead. Amen. I don't know how I got in this. I don't know how I got here. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do, you liar. You stopped listening to the Holy Ghost. You stopped obeying. And I love how the Holy Spirit speaks, too. He leads us in such simple and practical ways. So wonderfully. Sometimes it's really powerful and dynamic, and sometimes it's just so simple. I was walking out of a door um, in San Angelo, out of our church there, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go check the side door. And the side door was never unlocked. 
except maybe service times, but this was during the week. And so I just kind of shook it off and kept walking. I heard the Holy Spirit say, go check the side door. Okay. So I walked over there. Sure enough, the door was wide open. And so I locked it back and I said, Lord, that simple thing. He just leads you in these little, these little things. I'm so proud of my children. I love um, my oldest. She's turning 13 um, this week. Wednesday. We were at the bowling alley last night with her and all of her teenage friends. We survived. It was interesting. It's an interesting time in a kid's life. But Maddie, you know, with all the things that, that kids deal with, especially at that age, turning 13, and you're growing certain parts, and, and, and your body's changing, and, and you're figuring out who you are, and and, and, you know, just going through all kinds of emotions. You know, you got zits and, to deal with, and you got, you got, you know, boys and girls to deal with. It's just things are changing. Hormones are raging. And, and she went to school the other day on Tuesday. And every day, I pray over my children. Every day, we, we, just, we just declare the Word of God together. Teach them a scripture song every week. I've told you guys about this. It started it when they were very young. We just take a verse of, of the Bible and I teach, I make it into a song. And they've learned, I, I don't know how many songs they have now in Scripture, but we, sometimes we'll just sit around the house, we'll just sing all these Scripture songs together. All these things we've learned over the, over the years and how enriched they are by the Word of God. And how, I didn't, you, know, you don't realize sometimes as a parent what kind of effect it's taking on your child until this Tuesday, Madeline came home. She said, Dad, she said, I was at school today. And she said, well, my, my, my good friend, I won't say any names, she said, my good friend told me she was so scared of this swine flu. And she said that, she said she told me she was going to get a surgical mask. Her mom was giving her a mask and she was going to have to wear that around. She, didn't, she wouldn't let her go here to this place and that place. And she said, my friend was freaking out. She was just so, I don't want to get it. I hope I don't get it. How ah. many believe we've overreacted to this thing so far? Huh? And Maddie Claire... She just started quoting something that we say every day of our lives. She said, and she had brought this girl to youth a few months ago, and the girl got saved, gave her life to Jesus. And she looked at her, she said, hey, you ain't got anything to be worried about. No evil shall befall you, and no plague shall come near your dwelling. My little girl, led by the Spirit of God to speak the Word of God into this situation. Yeah, well, she didn't get that kind of applause. Another girl over there, she said, Maddie, you're so insensitive. Insensitive? What am I supposed to do? Coddle up to her? Oh, no, we're all so very scared. Huh? It's incredible. She led by the Spirit all this time, but just she gave her life to Jesus. We dedicated her to the Lord as a, as, a, as a small child, and now here she is being led by the Spirit of her own accord. That just amazes me. The Holy Spirit is faithful to lead you. That's the whole point. Are you hearing me today? He's faithful to lead you. He's always there. I've got to tell you another, another story. But y'all, y'all know who Brother Daniel Plowman is, right? He tells a story about a man who was preaching at a church, and he began to prophesy over, over the people and began to do some ministry time, and they were coming up, and he was prophesying over them, and God was just moving strong in the place. The Spirit was moving. And there was a, there was a big old gruff man sitting in the back, made his way to the front. And uh, as soon as he got up there in front of the preacher, I mean, he looked like 
he did not want to be there. I mean, he had the look on his face like, I'd rather eat you alive than to be standing here right now. And uh, so the preacher looked at him, and all of a sudden, he felt the Holy Spirit tell him, nibble on his ear. I know I didn't just hear you say that, God. I know you did not just tell me to nibble on a man's ear. That cannot be God. And so he kind of went, I said nibble on his ear. So he took the man and brought him in close to him and started chewing on his ear. This man breaks and begins to weep like a baby. Surrenders his life to Jesus at that moment, becomes supernaturally born again. Life changed at that moment. The preacher's blown away. First of all, he's like, thank you, God, that I'm still alive here at this moment. But how in the world? Because he didn't know that just a few minutes earlier, this man is sitting there in that church service and his wife begging. She's trying to get him into church for so long, begging him, please, Lord, God's ministering to you. He said, God would have to nibble on my ear to get my attention. He will lead you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Are you hearing me? He is always there. He's that still, small voice. Sometimes that still, small voice gets really loud. And I would get a little squeamish to hear him really scream, wouldn't you? But he's always convicting you of righteousness. That is who you have become in Christ. He's here to lead. Listen, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit's not convicting you of sin. He's convicting the world of sin. He's convicting you of righteousness. Because if he can get you understanding who you are, awakened to righteousness, it deals with the sin and sin not. Hallelujah. He's not out there trying to tell you all your weaknesses and what you need to do, what you don't need to do. He's going to tell you, hey, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you have that reality, my God, you won't want to sin. You won't want to be that booger head out there anymore. Makes you want to live right. Isn't that wonderful? He's there. You've submitted yourself to his authority and his leadership in your life. Amen. Now let's look at this other thing. It says that he's given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba. Father, Abba, Father, the word for daddy. What a close, close relationship word, huh? Daddy. You know, men have the funniest ideas on their approach to God. I've worked out in the world for a few years before I came into full-time ministry, and I think one of the funniest terms to me was the man upstairs. would keep him upstairs. I'm staying down here. And I refer to him as the man upstairs. He lives on the second story. I know he's there. But I'll never go up those stairs. <laughs> Men have an approach that, with the thought that God is angry at them. Or that God is looking for them to talk to him right. So then they go into the King James Version. Oh, thou great God, Jehovah. Creator of the heavens and the earth. Come on, give me a break. I think God's going, okay, now you have my attention. 
thou dost have my attention now. But it's interesting. Uh, you know, you heard about the guy. People cry out to God most of the time when they're in trouble. You know, I always make commitments. Anybody guilty of that here in the room today? If you'll just get me out of it this time, God. You heard about the man who was trying to find a parking spot, trying to find a parking spot, and it was raining hard. Drove around the parking lot at the grocery store, couldn't find one. He said, Lord, tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You get me a front, front row parking spot, I'll quit drinking, I'll quit chewing, and I'll quit cussing, and I'll clean up my life. Just at that time as he's praying, he sees a car backing out on the front row, and he said, never mind, Lord, I found one. Hey, hey, is that mankind or what? Huh? <laughs> September 11th, one of the most tragic days in American history. All of our congressmen and senators standing on the Capitol steps singing, God bless. How many of them, how many of them are trying to get God out of schools? How many of them are voting uh, any other time except when tragedy hits? All that agnosticism and atheism just, oh, hey, there is a God. Okay, we need help. Huh? How we have. But we, as sons of God, as a witness to being sons of God, we have this heart cry. Our Father. This heart cry. Abba, Father. Ladies and gentlemen, that marks the sonship. You guys remember the show? Anybody ever watched the show Apprentice? The Apprentice? Donald Trump show? You're fired. He, 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 he's trying to hire somebody so these... These people get in teams and they have to do these certain challenges to, that he puts before them and then whoever wins ultimately through process of elimination gets a job with Donald Trump. And, and so, so he's got these associates out there kind of overseeing the projects, overseeing the teams, and, 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 and the, the, the teams don't seem to really care what the associates think. They're only concerned with Donald, what Donald Trump thinks. They don't care about anybody else. But this one particular day, this one particular episode that is, that the, the, their, this one team is very concerned about this associate because they found out that this is Donald Trump's son and they knew that he had an ear with the daddy. Are you hearing me today? See now, see now you're not who you used to be and, and you don't approach God how you might have at one time. Today as a child of God, you have his ear. You have special privileges as a child, as a son of God to come boldly before the throne. It's only right now. It's only right that you come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. No other way. Not groveling as a son. When I walk into my parents' house, I walk in and I go to the refrigerator. That's my right as a son to do that. It's your right to open up what God has for you. Open up that Bible and look what's in it for me here. These promises are mine today. Daddy, thank you for it. Abba, Father, thank you. Are you hearing me? This is about sonship. You don't have to have those feelings of dread when you think of God anymore. Guilt and shame and unworthiness. You now know Him as Father. I don't know what kind of father you've had in this earth. Maybe it's not been so good. It really doesn't matter how good your daddy has been or how bad your daddy's been. Because none of them compare or even come close to 
your heavenly Father today. Amen? Your spirit cries out, Abba. Amen. Are you with me? He'll never disappoint you. Did you hear me? He'll never disappoint Your daddy might have disappointed you. Your heavenly Father will never do that. Your daddy might have abused you, might have hurt you. Your Father in heaven will never do that. He might have belittled you. Your heavenly Father will never do that. He loves you no matter what. He will always be there. He can always be trusted. Look at this last thought. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children, oh, that we are sons of God. Man, I don't know about you. See, you don't need a preacher to validate your salvation. You don't need to have a vision from heaven. You don't need to have some supernatural experience. All you need is what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And if he's testifying on your behalf that you're a son of God, then there should be no circumstance, no situation, no person, no lie, no thought, no failure on your part, no good day, no bad day to con- that should convince you otherwise. That the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit right now that you are a child of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Anybody know who Bear Bryant is, the Alabama football coach? Well, he was out duck hunting with a man named John. And they were out there for three hours, no ducks. Finally, this lonely duck comes flying over. And so Bear goes to shooting. The duck just kept flying. He turned over to John, and he said, John, you're witnessing a genuine miracle. There flies a dead duck. Listen, don't let anything else convince you otherwise than what the Holy Ghost is telling you. It might seem crazy, and it might look crazy when you're saying, I'm a son of God. It might not make any sense to your natural mind, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still true. You are a son. You are a child of the living God, whether you act like it, whether you look like it or not. Listen to me today. You remember when we went to the moon, you older people? <laughs> I'm, not, I didn't, I'm not pointing at anybody in this room. Not at all. I know Brother William was there. Where is William today? He's not feeling well? Well, Father, we thank you for healing William today in Jesus' name. Amen. But we see, we see this beautiful glowing circle in the sky that lights up our night sky. Beautiful. I love to watch it when it first comes up, when it's that red-orange color, you know. Oh, gorgeous. And then when they got on the moon and we got cameras up there, it was like, ugh. The moon is ugly. It's not what we were looking at. I mean, we got close up and really saw it for what it is. I mean, it's just a deserted wasteland of dust and pits and canyons. And Why did we spend all the money to go up and land on that rock? It looked so wonderful from here. But when we began to examine it up close, it wasn't what we thought it was looking at yourself, you're looking at your own life based on your performance. Looking at it in the natural 
and it looks real ugly compared to what the Bible says that you are, compared to what the Spirit of God is bearing witness about you on the inside, saying, man, you are a bright, shining reflection of the Son of God. Well, all I see is pitfalls and mistakes and hurt and anger. God, help me. Hey, He calls you a son of God to help you see beyond what you see. To help you know beyond what you know up here. To help your heart connect by faith in the Word of God that He thinks you're wonderful. He bears witness that you are more than what you're looking at in that mirror. Hallelujah. You are more than what you're feeling like at that moment. Are you hearing me? You're more than what you're acting like at that moment. Praise God Almighty. My brother told me last week, he said, Eric, I've been doing this study on bond servants. He said, it's an amazing thought to me. In Philippians, Paul calls himself a bond slave or a bond servant. He said, you know, a bond servant was one that gave himself up voluntarily. He didn't come under some regime, wasn't captured, you know, by some other country and had to, had to be a slave. No, he voluntarily became a slave, voluntarily served. And Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Christ. I have come into this thing of my own. But the, 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 the original word, if you look it up in the Zodiates uh, study, uh, word study uh, book, that, that it says to destroy one's will to take on another. Listen to the language of this. Paul says, I destroyed my will. I didn't just set it off to the side. I annihilated it. I destroyed my will when I took on His will. That's exactly what happened when you put your faith in Christ. The day that you bowed your knee to Him and put your faith, you said, I'm destroying my will. There's a way that seemed right to me, but it did nothing but brought me destruction. Now I'm destroying that way. You destroyed that will and took on His. So now you live for His purpose. You can't ever find that will again. It's been destroyed. It's been annihilated. It's over and done. I'm just going to say it. You might not like me. But as a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven whether you like it or not. Amen. <laughs> Some of you ought to start liking it right now. It's a good thing. There is assurance with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how contrary it looks or seems. I want to assure you today, the Holy Spirit does not lie. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. Amen? Is there anything more assuring than all truth? Hmm? He gives you the words. He gives you the feeling, the assurance that I am my beloved's and He is mine. His banner over me is love. I just blessed you today. Authority, approach, and assurance. That all, those are all signs right there. We see right there. Of you being sons of God. Any sons of God in the house today? Why don't you stand here? To, let's stand here together today. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.